Welcome to Pablo Torre Finds Out. I am Pablo Torre, and today we're going to find out what this sound is. Are there nine million people who would want an apocalypse bunker? I'm totally calling and seeing how much their pina coladas are and if that <laughs> resort community is someplace I can retire. Right after this ad. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So, like, is it a, a bunch of crows or a murder of crows? Of course, that's the one you start with. It's usually the reveal where you're like, you know, yeah, a bunch of building up to geese it. What is other, a flock? Yeah, what are the other or a gander? Other, there's some other. Hold on, animal. <laughs> animal. I'm not. I'm not googling animal plurals. Um, oh, there is a okay. What? There is a collective term for a bunch of cats, and it is. A well, meow? We're, now we're going to build to this one. Uh, I'm not starting there. Um, we know about a, an army of ants or a colony of ants, right? Of school of fish. School of fish. Um, this is this is this is good Jeopardy. Shit, by the of way, I'm antelope. glad we're doing this. Mm-hmm, me too. Um, me too. A sleuth of bears. Oh, I love that. I know. A sleuth. Very surprising. Uh, a cloud of bats. Love that. Yep. Love yep, that. Yep, we're yep. not talking about these enough. Yep. Wow. Love this one for ducks. A. a it starts with R. This is a. This is this is a show. We should a, host a, a show where a, we just a, guess. A rip-roaring good time of ducks. <laughs> a raft of ducks. Raft? Like a, a boat? A raft of ducks. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Whoa, this is <laughs> this is a good one, too. Whoa. <laughs> this changes everything. This fox. Okay, foxes. There are two of them. One of them is troop, which is cool. Sure, but fine. We've, we've, Respect an, them. Yep. There's another thing that's a troop of something. I believe it's actors. <laughs> I think exactly right. Actors in a small theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep, 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 yep. Um, an earth of foxes. No. No. Big, for that reason, you are out. An earth? An earth. They have their own planet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they Mormons? <laughs> They're more Scientology. Um, zebra. Okay. A newspaper. This is a good one. <laughs> Black, white, and A masthead less of zebras. Red all over these days. Um, masthead of zebras is good. Better, arguably, than the answer, which is a cohort of zebra. Oh, I kind of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems like you're up to some stuff. Yep, 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 yep. All right, cat. C. Ace. I'll give you the second letter. Okay, yep. L. A a cluster. Oh, you're so close. A cloister. You're less close, but still very close. A clump. Is it a word I've heard before? Yes. Just say it. Okay, um, it's a synonym for like mess. Clutter. Yeah, oh. clutter. clutter. Cluster, clutter one letter cat. different. Um, a parliament of owls. How cool a is parliament that? Parliament of owls. How cool is that? Changes everything. It makes me want to vote for one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes a group want- of whites is called a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I am fascinated as to how Dan processes this, let alone you, Katie. Hello, Katie. You're Hi. here, too. Hello. Um, 
because Sports Illustrated is involved in this scandal now, and it's a true scandal insofar as the cover-up has been brutally terrible. And the crime itself is one that is a crime against journalism. They have hired, and by hire I mean they have— And humanity. Like, literally a crime against humanity. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very good point by you, because what SI has been doing is is not paying, but just uh, operating uh, via some proxy third party. Um, A roster, apparently, of artificial intelligent writers, which is to say bots, to do stuff. And they got caught by an outlet called Futurism. They did great reporting on this. I'm very jealous of their reporting on this. But they noticed, apparently, that a bunch of these articles were god-awful. They were like recommendations for like the best volleyball to buy. And they looked into this, and as they looked into it, asked SI about it, um, all of these pages were wiped. And so, just as a reminder, Sports Illustrated, where I used to work as a fact checker. Oh, no. Literally a person who would cross off every word on a printed page to make sure it was accurate. Um, I was I was working for a magazine uh, that was not just at the vanguard of sports journalism. It, it, it used to employ, like, William Faulkner, right? And now... Um, it employs or or use the services of Sora Tanaka, who is a uh, a person who can be found also on an AI headshot marketplace oh, where no. she is listed as, quote, joyful Asian young adult whoa, female whoa, whoa, whoa. with long brown hair and brown eyes. You can just buy her face. Whose face is it? It's a completely computer-generated face. Oh, oh, oh. Um, from a composite of, I guess, of everybody's all face. joyful Asian young adult females with long brown hair and brown eyes. And then this is just dystopian, man. And it's and it's just, it's even more than that, though, it's sloppy. It's super sloppy to the point of, oh, this is hilarious if it weren't also um, clearly a symptom of the larger disease that is ruining everything that we used to care about as journalists. It'd be hilarious if everything that was happening didn't make me feel like everything that I believe in at my principal core wasn't being cheapened at every turn by a bunch of people being okay with it happening because I'm the loser in trying to stand for Pablo was a fact checker to start his career. That job doesn't exist exist anymore. I want to get into, before I get into the dystopian nature of this, explain to people, Pablo, how it is, why it is, Sports Illustrated became the seminal journal in our times to chronicle sports, and before magazines died, the lengths they would go to to pay people to make sure that something as simple as facts were correct. That's how Pablo got into the business. That job is the video researcher on an NBA team who works 80 hours and has to chase down everything because Every syllable has to be true. Yes, I was I was a version, an even sadder, uh, but more Filipino version of Eric Spolstra, grinding away in the cavern of Sports Illustrated, there to literally cross off every word to make sure it was true. And this was a point of pride. This was a point of, this is the point of Sports Illustrated was, in a world of relative fluff, here was substance and here was accuracy. And so I would call up not just the writer, but the writer's sources to make sure that everything was accurate. And... The, the legions of people who came up through the ranks doing this, Dan, um, it was not coincidental. And it was not just like steerage class. It was the place up through which you rose because you needed to be trained in the discipline in order to like hang at this magazine. And so, dude, I don't know if people know. The kids kids definitely don't appreciate what SI represents, even though I think I... I um, 
I can probably begin to explain it, but I don't think they'll ever appreciate the relative importance of it in sports media. I will try to explain it uh, to the best that I can, but uh, this was where the best work was done in the field that I cared about the most because the people who were applying craftsmanship and care to these things were the writers that I admired most who were protected by the fact checkers who made sure and editors who made sure that their copy was the greatest stuff that was being birthed by sports journalism. But, Katie... Imagine when uh, when Pablo says, I want to know how Dan feels about this. Never mind as a journalist. How about just as an old person <laughs> to be to be met with when when Pablo says proxy third party. And I'm going to read to you a sentence, Katie, from Sports Illustrated in reaction to the scandal. The the proxy third party is called Advon. OK, that's a futuristic terror. Advon, A capitalized, V capitalized, D lowercase. This is from the future. Advon has assured us that all of the articles in question were written and edited by humans. How is that a sentence that I am supposed to understand? <laughs> 1980s journalist me growing up when they used to as a business model, what it was, let's throw yesterday's news on your lawn or in your bushes for 25 cents. How am I supposed to understand the sentence Advon has assured us that all of the articles in question were written and edited by humans. Um, what do you mean they were? <laughs> Wait, why am I questioning no, that? Katie, Katie, no, they've assured us. The robots have assured us. But they weren't. That they're not robots. But they weren't. You showed me that lady. Where's the discrepancy here? Are they lying? They are, um, I believe, being uh, dishonest, yes. Are these articles, can I just ask, I'm devil's advocating. I know you guys are going to die on, on a, your big J journalism Gary hill. Smith. Scott if Price. I may, if I may, yell names are, were these writers. like the articles, like when you get to the bottom of an article and it's like, it, it has a picture that's clearly to get you to click and it's like 10 simple ways to cut belly fat. Are these those type of articles? Like the type that I feel like Yard Barker was probably first in doing was like all those served articles at the bottom of a, oh, that, that, oh, you, uh, that uh, anybody uh, who's that, media literate knows not to click on. A chum bucket. Is that it's a real term yeah, for it? Yeah, a chum bucket. Like the thing of like, you'll never you'll, you'll never, never guess. guess whose pimple yeah. this was. Yes, exactly. That. So what you're asking though is the difference that no, you know, average American reading a, a thing on the internet is going to make a distinction between credible news thing and infomercial thing meant to manipulate me. But here's my thing. I'm not saying um, that it is a good practice, but I am saying, and I, I do think those need to be. I think we need to get rid of those. I think we also need to get rid of ads but that look like their TV shows. What? Whose pimple is it? <laughs> it's I gotta, always mine. Always know. my pimple. <laughs> if we find out that one of those companies is employing AI people to write their dumb articles that nobody's reading, is less. A little less of a than like if a front page SI article so that, okay, is so written by AI. What I'm saying about Sports Illustrated's front page, its cover, right, versus um, the chum bucket equivalent stuff of like the best volleyball for you to buy in which there are sentences that are insane. Oh, right? could you have some? Yeah. I'd love to hear this yeah, AI yeah, article. Yeah, hold on. Let me pull up just uh, one of the, This is by Drew Ortiz. In this case, a very white Hispanic face um, being worn by a robot that then became a uh, Asian oh, woman. Um, but Drew Ortiz writes sentences like this, quote, Volleyball can be a little tricky to get into, especially True. without an actual ball to practice with. <laughs> and it's just like, all right. 
yeah, not, a little, not exactly it can be a little tough. You Bill can get Mack. into it without the ball. Um, but okay, but in this case, right? This was, to your point, like advertorial shit. Right. Of like, here's a SI Dan didn't used to do this. And I think this is the point is that SI was its license. So SI used to be owned by Time Inc. And Time Inc., Time Magazine's People Magazine's owner, like, office in Midtown Manhattan where I used to work um, with, like, red pencils crossing off words and shit and folders and paper and a library. Um, that's not the case anymore. Um, SI was licensed to a company called Maven, which became this thing. Um, Arena. Arena is now the company operating this thing. And so they infused SI.com with shit like this to the point where it's a valid question of, like, Sports Illustrated does this now? Like, what is this? And it totally dilutes the premise of we used to be the literary home of sports journalism completely. Sports Illustrated now also sells vitamins, sells an assortment of products. I don't know when you talk about uh, that dystopian prison that it now is. If it's nine remaining people still writing, most of those writers have left and the people have been laid off. Yeah, laid off. Remember when they laid off all their photographers? They used to be a leader in that space. They always had the best photographs, Sports Illustrated. This is what's happened to journalism, correct? This is not just sports journalism. This was best in its class stuff, and it's no longer that. But can you guys put that up again? Because that was some excellent writing. And I want to spend time with this Drew Ortiz, because look at his life (laughs) and the AI-created life that we have. Drew Ortiz is someone whose other work I want to know. He grew up in a... In a farmhouse surrounded by woods, fields, and a creek. He grew up in the wild. It's partially true, it says right there. He spent much of his life outdoors. He's excited to guide you through his never-ending list of the best products to keep you from falling to the perils of nature. (laughs) (laughs) It's remarkable to be such an outdoorsy person, but to have a beard so cleanly lined. There is... Rarely a weekend that goes by where Drew isn't out camping, hiking, or just back on his parents' farm. Damn. <laughs> Nepotism. Oh, my God. But this is this is where, if there is any sort of upside to any of this, Dan, it is that currently, at least, we are um, collectively, and I think everybody is laughing at this on some level, albeit ruefully for many of us, and it's just establishing, if you're using AI writers, it means you are dog shit. Right. Like there is such a so it's two things. It's number one, the contempt you must have for the idea of a human reader that no one's going to notice. No one's going to notice that this was. But isn't this what's happening in Hollywood, too, where the CEOs are saying the writers and the actors and the creative soul of things, they don't matter. We can generate them. We can use uh, information from the past in order through Google and funding to just create the tech companies that belch out writing, not not as art, but as just something that can be farted out because there's no discernment being made by the reader who doesn't actually, Pablo, care whether Sports Illustrated is the nostalgic, romantic thing we remember or it's just some outdated piece of shit that their grandfather used to read. And probably even scarier to me is that it's happening in schools because if kids are not wanting to write a paper, which, look, I don't want to write papers. But if you don't want to write a paper and you just go to a website and you tell it to write your paper and then you hand that in and this happens long enough and then those kids that are in school end up coming into business and they don't know how to write because they really didn't learn how to because they didn't write any papers. They just had AI do it. It just is... um. 
feels like something we should probably figure out. <laughs> Dan, you own a media company. <laughs> it seems a little bit scary, though, what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Like, how Drew can you, or- <laughs> you have to care about it to be scared of it, though. You know what I mean? Well, you have to- it's, a, it, it's, it's a really good point, Dan. Like, there is, okay, there's, there's two sides of this aisle, right? One are the kids who loved writing papers. The other side is the kids who don't give a fuck about writing papers. Mm. And I think the good news, the second upside of this to me, um, if there is one, is that it is being labeled AI as so, like, just terrible. Like, it's just, it, it feels like a sign of cheapness. And it is literally that. It's a company trying to increase its margins of profit by driving costs down. But in the meantime, it's sort of like, my hope is that when people hear AI, they associate it with bad quality. And even if you didn't like writing papers, my hope is that you don't want to read Containing sentences like, luckily for you, we found some of the best full-sized volleyballs in 2022 that are perfect for practicing your <laughs> serves size. and sets every day. Great. Lucky me. Full-size But you say that it, but how long do we think it's going to stay being a sign of poor quality? Because I feel like these types <laughs> of things grow exponentially. And AI feels like a couple years ago we were talking about it would be a thing. Now it is a thing. You can just access ChatGPT and all that other stuff. There are consumer products that are AI-based. Which means that behind the scenes, the stuff consumers don't have access to is probably much more advanced than this, which means that that will trickle down eventually so that AI will no longer be a signal of bad quality, mm. potentially. But it will mean that the person didn't care, didn't consi- didn't have human consideration or connection to a story. That's what's scary, but I do oh, think but it's I mean, not what, always going to be bad about quality. The, aren't you talking about there, Katie? Basically, whether art uh, has a soul or not, and whether you can create it artificially. Whether giving something soul at Sports Illustrated, through writing, through art, can computers do what humans can? Uh, I, I've always thought of that as, as the opposable thumb for us that makes us different from the computers, that it can't be recreated, but I'm less convinced of that than I used to be. Look, you, once you accept that the next step of human evolution is that we're just going to become machines, it all kind of makes a lot more more sense. You know, it does feel, if you want to throw up the uh, Drew Ortiz photo again. This hottie. It does feel like Drew Ortiz is somebody who's just like walking around in the background of Dan's office in Miami. <laughs> I mean, that looks <laughs> an awful, that, that looks absolutely, if right now I were to go to John Skipper and say, make a computerized <laughs> version of Clay Skipper, your son, I want oh, them yeah. to put up there on the screen Clay <sighs> Skipper's face next to Drew Ortiz and you guys uh, will see that Clay Skipper looks a little bit like the robotic prodigy of uh, and progeny yeah. of a media mogul. Just incredibly handsome. That guy's not in the shipping container? (laughs) I have to create yet another white Latin here called Clay Ortiz. (laughs) Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dan? What do you bring us today on Share and Tell? Is it nice? Is it uplifting? 
It is interesting, is what I will say. It stimulated okay. me. It's an article from The Athletic, and it's something about sports that I had never actually comp uh, considered this completely. I've written in the past about how I've believed that athletics would be more ripe for, say, gambling addictions than mm -hmm. other places because you have people whose identity is tied up in competition, and they're going to go seeking other action, other ways to be competitive because of whatever the high of being identified as a winner is. But this article in The Athletic, it's, a, it's making it seem as if there isn't much of a difference between the character tra traits required to be a champion and required to be an addict. That basically the same things that get you the rewards of athletic greatness, the obsessive compul compulsiveness of a crazy lunatic like Kobe Bryant, if not harnessed into sports, might not be able to be contained in greatness and then results in all sorts of kinds of addiction because part of your identity is being obsessive compulsive. You're sculpting a single thing to the lopsided detriment of a bunch of other things in your personality. You almost can't be as great as Kobe is unless you run every other thing off. And so I just wanted to explore with you guys the idea that an athlete or a champion specifically might be more predisposed to addictive type of things because their identity is intertwined. And when I compete, I get all of the rewards. And when I get all of the rewards from high school, whenever I get in the pipeline, gymnast, tennis, wherever it is, I'm I'm getting love, I'm getting applause, I'm getting things that feel like happiness, but they're also things that are rewarded for addictive tendencies. Rhythmic gymnasts, even. Gold medalists like Katie Nolan. It's me doing the ribbon, but literal the ribbon attached. Gold medalists, rhythmic gymnast. Yeah, I, I look. It's an interesting idea. It's an interesting examination of uh, personality traits. You know me. I love anything that's like diving in on the humanity of the people who do the stuff, like sports that we that we love so much. But I also I I hesitate because it feels like similar to like almost like a cousin to this conversation we've had before about like. Some t and you've got to be an addict, a bad person. You've got to be, you've got to have the negative things to make great art. That's like a thing people have always been like, you have to be an asshole or like, well, this guy beat his wife. Well, yeah, but that's why he made this great song. Greatness comes born of the negative uh, sides of who you are as a person. These feel very closely related. Like you cannot be a champion if you aren't a d an addict. It just it, it makes me go eh. oh, obsession, Meh. right? I mean, but it, it does it does feel about it, it feels like sports is a place where a vice can be recast as a virtue. Because to Katie's point, the idea of man, I'm so obsessive, all I care about is winning. Therefore, um, my personality trait, which would be maladaptive, which would be something that's clinically needing to be addressed um, in life, finds sort of safe harbor in a hyper-competitive environment where everyone um, is a member of the Dark Triad. Shout out to the Dark Triad test, Shout which out. we all variously failed, incidentally. Um, but the point about the sports because of the stand— Because we're losers, that's why. <laughs> winners, winners, would win and winners would win the Dark Triad, and winners would beat us at competitive things. Mm -hmm. That's right. The medal stand. We didn't make the Dark Triad medal stand, unfortunately. But I think it's fascinating when you read this article in The Athletic, and it gets to the idea—they focus a lot on soccer uh, and, and in England. And it's a lot of reporting about how— um, 
all of these psychologists got hired initially to make these guys better players, better athletes, better at scoring goals and so forth. And then they realized as they were doing these jobs, like, oh, wait a minute. Like the performance improvement aspect of this is, is not really the job. The job here is getting these people to feel um, healthier mentally, because as much as it's about, oh, score more goals, it's about people realizing that they were crying out for help without realizing it. And it's, it's fascinating that in 2011, England's Football Association produced a 117-page document on academy restructuring as part of its elite player performance plan. And just half a page, seven bullet points, was devoted at all to player welfare. The rest of it was all about, like, how do we get these guys to be better? And meanwhile, these guys are, like, going out, as Dan was saying, and many, many nights, um, they're gambling addicts. Or they are just obsessed with things that they had been given the green light to be obsessed about in in their job that they then were unable to disentangle from the rest of, of how they use their brain. I remember the first time I thought about this was talking to Michael Irvin, who had all of these problems off of the field, but always in the offseason, always uh, in in a in a time where he wasn't, uh, you know, he was being criticized for a general recklessness and uh, lack of discipline. And one of the things that he explained to me that I had not considered. He says, yes, I am an addictive personality. And when I'm doing football, I'm so addictive about it that my workouts are I throw up twice is when my workout ends. Not the first time I throw up, the second time. And that takes all of me during a football season. But when football is then gone, I get addicted to other things, other things that are less good for me than this uh, creative outlet that gives me all of the ability to have the offseason and the money that gets me into the temptations. And once you start becoming the person who's getting all the rewards at every turn through childhood that feels like some form of love, right? It may leave you empty wherever it is. I'm not even judging addicts and saying it's not no. always brain chemistry, but some of the things in your imprinting from your environment that always reward success when you are so obsessive that your workout's not over until you've done the second throwing up. And when you define discipline, not the way others might, but you say, this is what discipline is. It isn't whether I get in a cocaine scandal at, uh, you know, in the off scene, it's the fourth quarter. I'm exhausted. I'm really tired. And the other guy across from me has been stronger than me all game, but I have the discipline to not jump on the hard count because I'm disciplined and I'm in that kind of shape. And I have tuned myself and sculpted my skills so much that my routes have to be a half yard better than the other guys. And he's fighting that hard too. And I got to stay ahead of him for 10 years. And I'm not that fast. I'm not that physically fast. I got to stay ahead of him for 10 years. When that's the addiction and it gets rewarded, where do you put it when the season's over? So I think this is a, an argument we've been making for a really long time that we still don't seem to be investing in, which is that like mental health for athletes is incredibly important, important that teams provide mental health services to their athletes is like a responsibility that they have that we do not hold them to. We really don't make sure that when they are done using this person for their skills that apply to their to this industry that can make owners of teams money we don't make sure that they then release them back into the world in a way that's like <laughs> they are uh, equipped to deal with 
the way the real world works, which is not the way that the world works when you are a successful athlete, like you said, getting rewarded with things at every turn from a very young age. And so it just feels like until we can prove or somehow tie that idea in with profit for a team, they're not going to do it. And what scares me about articles like this is it, it, it not that the article itself scares me. It's well-written. It's very interesting. It's thought-provoking. But the discussion, I don't want to get to a point where people think that that part of an athlete, the addict part of an athlete, without that, if that's treated, without that, they won't be great. To your point, it's not just that owners are making a lot of money off of these athletes. Athletes themselves are incentivized to be this sort of obsessive to blur the line between, oh, I have a personality trait and, oh, I am struggling with a disease, which is what addiction is. And and for me, I, I there are some parts of this, too, that are not just about sports. Some parts of it are relatable. The idea of being a workaholic, you know, the idea of like <laughs> the idea of my big it's, it's it's what you would say in a job interview as a fake answer. I work too. I work, I work too hard. Too hard. I, I care about too work much on my too plate. much. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's seen as virtuous. And I relate to it as somebody who is perpetually thinking about work. I have content brain, as Dominique Foxworth has has alleged. That's true. But I, I think it it raises the question of what happens when you are imbalanced. And I think there are costs associated that do not get paid so clearly until the the profits you're making monetarily in terms of the ego scratching, the ego fluffing that certainly athletes, public-facing people, all can feel superficially. Until that goes away, to Dan's point, you don't realize, oh my God, I am ill-equipped to live as a as a balanced person in my life. Oh, but Pablo, I don't believe, like, I believe if we get down to the core of this, it's one of the reasons that I thought the article was so interesting. Balance isn't a part of the success equation in the sports pipeline. That's not something that's being taught. That's not something that's being practiced. That's not something that is part of the ingraining of the fabric. When Katie says that all of those pages are devoted to the business must maximize the profit of the athlete's body, and none of the pages are devoted to, and what about the athlete's mind when the body is no longer of use to us or when it's doing other things that aren't in service of us? Like, where is balance part of the measurement of success. I think it's life success as I've gotten older, but I don't think in sports they're asking you for balance unless it's balance between offense, defense, and special teams. Or a balance beam in gymnastics. The point of balance, right? Like, I think, Dan, the reason why, and I've, I've, when I, when I was at Sports Illustrated doing stories about, like, why isn't there a better mental health program in professional sports, an answer I would get back was, um, because if you are trying to inject balance into the brains of these athletes, you might make them worse. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's saying you can either be an athlete or like a properly adjusted human who knows how to like, look, everybody makes everybody has the early stages of their life where their development happens, where they get their thing. They either have their nature and their nurture. Some combination of those things make them into the person that they are in their adulthood. And then in your adulthood, you can look back and solve those things, learn those lessons from your life, apply them to your life, and then continue living in a balanced way. And so I feel like the things that they needed to get them to the peak of being an athlete, if examined, will not just take out of them the things they've learned. They'll still have that knowledge. They'll still have that discipline. You don't need to continue with the thing that 
that's why the addiction thing, I don't know because I feel like you can't just learn how to stop drinking so much. What if what you're addicted to is the feel good? Like, why can't we? I understand the distinction that you're making, and it's a nuanced one, Katie, because between yes, we the should, types, yeah, we shouldn't be absolute about this. But if in service of the addiction you get all sorts of feel good, then how is it different from whatever it is the body responds to in liquor or drugs or heroin? If it's chasing the cheering in the middle of a stadium yes. or the life that is riches or whatever you imagined your insecurities were in high school with boys or girls and all of a sudden you have access to a dating pool you did like why wouldn't you or how couldn't you get addicted to a variety of things if you're not being self-aware about the things that make you who you are yeah the athletes in this story attest to that too they talk about how nothing beats the feeling of scoring a goal in front of thousands of people right i mean this is the it's that line from uh, an old story an old magazine story uh joe dimaggio is talking to marilyn monroe and they're both like you know joe dimaggio is long retired such a good story this is such a good story it's one of the it's, it's a haunting quote um Marilyn Monroe says after coming back from like a tour of some place um, where she's like adored by the crowd. No, she's on a, she's on a uh, an, uh, services ship. Like oh, a, USO. A, it's a USO. It's Marilyn Monroe on a, on a, a boat filled with servicemen. Yes. Yes. And she says to Joe DiMaggio, Joe, you've never heard such cheering. And he very ruefully says, yes, I have. And it's just like, uh. Right. Like he is he's feeling the part of his brain that used to light up and it's just impotent now. And I feel like what, what Metal Media needs to do, Dan, I'm realizing I want to be solutions oriented here to Katie's point about like, why are we incentivizing addiction? We're glor we're mythologizing it as a function of discussing it. There needs to be a last dance before a guy who's super boring. Mm. A last dance for a guy like a docu a docu a ten part docu series for a guy who gets home to put his kids to bed and is also good and is just like for a not guy interesting. That they say, and how did that make you feel? And you're like, I it was fine. I took a couple deep breaths and I realized I had to I had to take a trash out. The, the guy who says, you know what? I didn't take it personally. No, I didn't. I forgot about it. I actually forgot even until you just brought it up just now. Wow, no grudges. <laughs> <laughs> it's a guy like that. We got a guy like that? Can you think of a guy like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredibly boring story about an asshole who wasn't that successful, uh, but is just bland and obsessed. <laughs> yeah, and he's like a pretty good dad. Yeah, present. He's very present. Oh, he's so present. <laughs> he's the Michael Jordan of being present. <laughs> <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Katie, it's been pretty. It's been pretty bleak so far. I admit, yeah. on Pablo Torre finds out. Yeah. So, what did you find? Well, out so about? I brought a story that look. If I'll be honest, if this had been a light and fluffy podcast up until now, we could take this to a dark place. I think what we should do is we'll just err on the silly of it, right? For the sake of everybody who's been listening to yeah. this, like oh, futuristic don't underestimate dark. Me. Do not underestimate <laughs> my ability to take it right into the darkness. The griefy. I, I, I am ready to pounce. 
So this has been one I, of my favorite podcast episodes of all time. <laughs> a, a, a weaving tapestry of a journey through the dark, dark underbelly of the, the mental stuff that plagues us. Yeah, Dan wants to cry. Katie wants to laugh because what did you, what, what were you up to? I was watching a football game, as I am wont to do, on Sunday. I believe, I don't know, because it gets dark so early now that it was like dark when this yeah, commercial aired. Dark. So I thought that it was in the primetime game, but my fiance swears that it happened in the game, the game that was before the Eagles game. There was this commercial that was dystopian looking. It was like out of a movie, some big tall uh, towers in a desert and like a, a car all by itself driving on a lone road with the l- road lighting up as it drives by it in this vast desert. And, and then I'm like watching it. Like, what is this? It's so strange. And then at the end, it says, like, Epicon. And then it, like, shows this logo that says Neom. Neom. And it said Neom.com. And I said, what the F? And since that, I have not stopped learning things about Neom. We have an ad. It's not the one that ran during an American sporting event. N-E-O-M. N-E-O-M. And we can play the ad that has more talking in it for that'll be helpful for the listeners. I think we have it. What is Neom? This is Neom, or here to be more precise, in the northwest of Saudi Arabia. But Neom is more than a place. It's a home for people who dream big. Bigger than that. That's more like it. It'll be a hub for innovation, an entirely new model for sustainable living. The vision for a new future. In fact, that's how it got its name. But what will be there? There's Oxagon. A thriving city at the crossroads of the world. Where advanced manufacturing will enable industries of the future. Trojana, a year-round mountain destination. And just remember to pack your skis when you visit. Or if skiing's not your thing, there's always Sindala. One of Neom's many beautiful islands. Perfect for some R&R. And the line. A 500-meter-high, 200-meter-wide, 170-kilometer-long city in the shape of, well, a line. No roads, cars, or emissions. And everything its 9 million residents could ever need within a five-minute walk. But best of all, the entire region will offer unparalleled access to nature and will be powered by clean energy. All within easy reach of the rest of the world. I don't okay. trust it. I don't so trust it. I feel like this I know is, it's a lot. I feel like it's a, it's a promo for a futuristic hostel, like the movie Hostel. As soon as I get there, <laughs> I'm going to be enslaved building stadiums and kept in a prison uh, near a prison toilet. I don't trust any of that. 2030 a- <laughs> this is supposed to be finished by. So I, this is- I, I just want to stress for everybody who did not see that on the DraftKings Network or on YouTube. There were high production. You got to look it up. You have to look it up. We we laughed at the AI being terrible at SportsIllustrated.com. This was like big movie. The good stuff. The good good. stuff. This is. They have a a media studio uh, on uh, already in Neom. I've heard it Neom and Neom. So I'll just say whichever one comes out of my mouth, and it'll probably be two different ones throughout this entire. Just say it. Oil money. Just say yeah. Just so oil. so it's it's funded by uh, well it's a, a pet project obviously of MBS Mohammed bin Sal- Salman who is the um, 
uh, Prince. Crown Prince. Yeah, Crown Prince. Thank you. Uh, funded by the Public Investment Fund, which is a sovereign wealth fund of the Saudi government. Which you may is, remember them from movies such as the Live Tour. Yeah, exactly. It's money that we've seen <laughs> recently quite a bit <laughs> in our sports world. Uh, it's unbelievable. Like, you so it's, be it, the, the, the budget at one point was uh, $500 billion. It's now, last I saw, at $1 trillion. Look, there are people who have known about this. It's been, it was announced in 2021, I believe. Um, so if you like know a ton about this, you should probably just turn off the podcast because yeah, we're if you're, about if, you're, to, if you're a line head we're about to learn about it all kind of for the first time and i did just like one page of notes katie, so Dan, katie has a that that fluttering sound was a notebook piece of paper a lot going on here okay but how a katie the, the, you're fascinated you've done you have become obsessed uh, you saw this commercial and you're like how are people not talking about this it feels to me like you saw this commercial the same way that i saw the first crypto ad before i'd even heard of crypto and there was a celebrity and i'm like what is this why is this here you saw something. Why aren't more people talking about this incredible amount of money clearly being poured in to building a fake utopia? No, less that. It was less altruistic and more like, what the f*** is this? <laughs> uh, it is a crazy looking idea. It's it, uh, the, the big debate is whether it's just like a vanity project that will, uh, like many in the past that have come before it, never get completed, be all vision, all sizzle, no steak. It won't ever turn into anything and it'll just like go to ruin. Um, or is this like a real actual first step towards the Future. Uh, the world that we see in movies when we think about the future um, that now resembles in no way anything that we have. Like, we have been building cities the same way since we figured out how to build cities for well, the well, most part. So this is, now I want to be, um, I want to be the guy, I want to be the realtor selling Neom properties. Great. And Dan, I'll, I'll do this, I'll do this to you, to you, right? So the premise of this, the sales pitch you'll notice is that, whoa, this is sustainable. Like, we are going to use zero nature. For, so it's, well, let's distinct, let me do a quick distinction. The line is the main thing everybody's talking about. It is one part of this, uh, the section of Saudi Arabia that it's in is about the size of Belgium, would be Neom, which I learned is a lot closer to the size of Massachusetts than I would have guessed. Mm. Um uh, I think it's, it's like the size of Maryland, which is just crazy. It's like Massachusetts, but with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Sure, yeah, there's a lot of other things that make it nothing like Massachusetts. <laughs> but so the line is the main one that's kind of getting everybody to be like, what in the world is this? Because the concept is that it's these two buildings that are a little bit taller than the Empire State Building that run... Uh, about a hundred miles. So I guess the distance of if you were at the beginning of Long Island, like where it is at Manhattan to the end of Long Island, it's basically that. Mm -hmm. Just two straight lines um, that house nine million people. Um, it would be in these modules, 140 modules in this entire thing. Each one is 200 meters wide by 800 meters long by 500 meters high. 80K people per module that live in this renewable energy, sustainable environment where everything you need is within a five-minute walk of where you live. Right, no cars, no, cars. no carbon emissions. If you need to get by, there's some um, not-invented-yet type of transportation underground that can take you from one end of, again, the beginning of Long Island to the end of Long Island in 20 minutes, um, which to me doesn't make any sense because it's like, aren't there stops? 
The outside would be covered in mirrors, which also seems like a huge into that. difficulty given that it's going to be in the hot, hot desert and the sun will shine on it and reflect off of it. just doesn't feel to me like that's going to be good for the flora and or fauna. But it does feel like the branding of this has has been along the line, pun intended, of... <laughs> Hey, uh, you there, Dan Lebetard, you're friends with that guy, Adam McKay, who's a climate change prophet, doomsday prophet. Um, if you guys are worried about that, we got you. We are building a thing that is prepared to not just minimize the effect we'll have on our planet, but we'll be prepared for the apocalypse. Just come into our uh, very long uh, bunker. Not, not, it's, all, not, it's all good. Where we're going to uh, give you state-of-the-art security, a.k.a. monitoring you uh, 24-7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 24/7 there are plants in there. You saw in the video, there are lots of plants. There's uh, fauna and flora. We will ignore that Dave Grohl had a performance in Abu Dhabi uh, this week where he had to remind himself on stage with a piece of paper, no cursing, because he would end up in prison for a year if he cursed on a public stage. We will not talk about some of the other elements here that might cause people fear. Let's just talk specifically Silly. Uh, about the idea that because I I was listening to this and all I was hearing was that phrase again and again, relatively close to the rest of the world, as if it's mm. a hiding place, <laughs> safe from when the zombies start fighting over food, water, uh, guns, and money. Like that, here's this city where you could live in a capsule somewhere if you're a rich person, away from all the peril of the rest of the world fighting for survival. It does feel like uh, the Snowpiercer train, but a yes. building. It also just feels completely impractical. It's built along a coast in a straight line, completely sequestered from the coast. When have tech trillionaires ever gotten something like that wrong? Use the line that was given to you, the coast of it. (laughs) Don't force a line across. It doesn't make... What about an animal who needs to get to the other side of the line? It has to walk down a hundred miles to get around it to get this doesn't there's like migration patterns that cities no, have the, to take into consideration when guys, they build them. You guys are hearing it the same way I am though, right? That basically what is being built out there is something with oil money to protect you uh, in, in an environment. Keep in mind, I've read some stuff about how difficult it is to get natural water in some of those places and how much the uh, environment takes a beating by how they get natural water to those places. This is going to be a city that is funded by wealth to protect itself relatively near the rest of the world from the rest of the world. What it does speak to is this large, and I think this is a real concern that certainly rich people have. I suspect that at a certain point, if you have enough money, you are on like uh, some sort of email list where you get sold an apocalypse bunker. This feels like a high-grade apocalypse bunker of a civilization. Are there 9 million people who would want an apocalypse bunker? I'm totally calling and seeing how much their pina coladas are and if that (laughs) resort community is someplace I can retire. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to do my own research and have a team of researchers find out how I can go live in one of these capsules somewhere in the sky and sand that protect me from, uh, you know, other people who are less luxurious than I am. Yes. Not the line, but in, um, what's it called? What I just, 
What's the name of this place? Neom. I always want to say like Nome. It's just too short. Neom. Or Joma. Can't trust it. It means a new future. Guys, it's an Epicon. It's a treasure of tomorrow. Epicon is the resort, is like the hotel. Oh. Sindala is a resort. Trojana, Trojana is a mountain ski resort with a man-made lake. So it gives you the best of the of all the climates. <laughs> I will tell you this. I don't know how. Yes. I have no idea how. But the Asian Winter Games of 2029 have been given to Trojana. That yes! is where those will be happening. Oil money. Yes. Already, Can't wait. Already just giving an non-existent city the uh, future sporting event. That's perfect. That's on the up and up. Now, I'm glad this is, this is squarely a sports story. I'm glad that the IOC or whatever uh, organizing committee in this case was like, you know what? This really does seem like, quote, a perfect union of majestic nature, extraordinary experiences, and architectural ingenuity. It does really feel like Epicon will be the starting point of great adventures. I bet. End quote. There is a lot of that, by the way. If you try to find out information on this, there's a lot of videos of people acting like they're like, what's up with this new Neom? And then you're like, oh, this person is clearly being given money by the, oh, look, the crown prince has decided to participate in the interview. Interesting. Oh, is that? I, a, I'm it, sure this will be very <laughs> critical of the ideas and technology behind this. Ne- pay no attention to the bone <laughs> saw. <laughs> The uh, the uh, blood money yeah. Epicon they're they're putting con right in the title Epicon <laughs> the con no, not, is the is not, the with is like within Neom is the name of I think it's the it's Dan, like wait hold on hold hotel. on Dan has cut to the core of this Epicon the literal just, name they, of yes. it is Dan it's not just con it's epic that's right con. it's not a small con you just <laughs> saw those videos like there's nothing small about that con. It does feel like we're being punked now that I think about it. Uh, what I, if though? Is this real? This what is real. Uh, it has. They have started building it. There is I'm at make least the videos call right now. I'm going to get. There I'm are videos go of like the phone call right now. Of extractors digging bubble. out the line. You guys can get a sanctuary bubble. Dan's like, I just got to make sure they're okay with me wearing shorts. <laughs> uh, they're not. I called. I asked. They're not. Neither are we. <laughs> Dan is on his phone. <laughs> the luxury suite, please. I'd like the luxury suite in 2030. Uh, the best uh, the best room you've got. Concierge service, please. Near nature and uh, somewhere near the ski slopes, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a wall oh that would keep out the Pablos of the world who are trying to get in on, horn in on my vacation, my luxury Yeah, if, 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 if you could get me a room away from the migrant laborers. Oh yeah, that's a, and it, we weren't going to get dark, but there's already they're displacing tribes and uh, um, allegedly people are dying. I don't believe so you. I, this, this seems on the we up weren't going to. I wasn't going to, but it, I should mention it's not. It doesn't look great. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's let's do this at the end of the show, as we always do, where we go around the table and say what we found I out have, today. Yes. Katie Nolan. I have to go first. No, you don't have to go first. Dan um, Levitard, um, 
gets to go first. I am very happy that Katie did all of that research. I wish we'd started with uh, that following her curiosities. I frankly learned that it should have been Katie Nolan finds out instead of Pablo Torre finds out. We should have followed her curiosities wherever it is that how they go. How dare you? So I love Katie's curiosities, so but how dare you? I don't. I, so guys, division in this locker room. I had an AI white Hispanic man do this for me. I did not do any of this research. Clay this Ortiz rising yeah. in Metal Arc Media. Exactly. There's no stopping Clay so Ortiz. Uh, I, I don't know. I found out that I've got complicated feelings about addiction I should spend some time thinking about. Mm. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same. Um, also, I feel like the complaint that we used to make about, like, where are our flying cars? This isn't the future. Mm. Guys, we got this f- neom thing. Yeah. We're yeah. living in the future. Like, That's right. Beyond the future is now. All complaints. Ish. We are in the Jetsons, except instead of uh, George Jetson, it's... Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Somewhere there said it was going to be an artificial moon. What's that about? Somebody Ooh. tell me what that's an artificial moon in Neom. Ooh. What did you find out, Pablo? I'd love to. I'd, I found out that I'd love to attend the Summer Olympics on an artificial moon. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Why is everything so scary? And by 2029, so quick, if we can get there. Everything is so scary I was, now. I was, just I'm trying so to, I was just trying to watch Eagles Bills. I just wanted to watch the game. I'm so scared. Are the Steelers for real is what I spent (laughs) my day thinking about. This has been Pablo Torre Finds Out, a Meadowlark Media production. And I'll talk to you next time. (laughs) 